progress. I'm getting old. I will repeat myself sometimes. I'm not old like him, but I'm old like him. I'm just not claiming it, okay? Okay, great. I can claim it. I think there's some there's some joy and some finesse <sighs> in being old. Sometimes I know exactly what you're going to say. Every single month, your bank account is overdrawn. The world is a business. A husband is what's left of a sweetheart after the nerve has been killed. Walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. Obey! If you have selfish, ignorant citizens, you're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. You mean like Democrats? Well, we both agree that must be the reason. Why not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? We are knee-deep in a pool of stagnation. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah. yeah! Hi, guys. Welcome to Objectively Incorrect. My name is Stephen Smith. I'm joining the studio here with Michelina MCH, entrepreneur, pioneer, Amazonian mom... <laughs> Soon to like, I don't know if soon to be, but at some point, Michelina, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Like, Michi, welcome to welcome to Objectively Incorrect, man. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. I think this is definitely not our first attempt, but we got it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, recorded the conversation. We actually recorded, guys. Listen, anyway, I'm not gonna get into that right now. But um, today, Michelin is gonna be talking to us about education, about the future of education, about what's happening in education right now, and about having a voice. Yes. A, an educational advocate. What do you call it? An educator, an advocate. Educational advocate and education advocate. Advocate. Yes. Advocacy for education. Advocacy and for education. Ed educators. Yes, care for teachers. So, and we talked about some other stuff too, so guys, listen, and it's going to be great. So, Michelina, before we even get started, we just have a short fact of fiction section. So, at the end of the statement, you're just going to tell me if you think this statement is true or false. So, I'm going to give you five statements, and at the end of every one, you just say, Stephen, I think that's true, or you think, uh, I think that's false. Okay. Right? I'm trying. If it's math, I can't do it. If it's what? Math. I oh, can't. no, it's not. There's no math here. There's all science, though, because um, steam. Um, so yeah. let's just see if we could just get through this. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So number one, scientists have developed a way of charging mobile phones using urine. True or false? Oh, my God. Wait, wait. Is, <laughs> I was just going to say true because... It's 100% true. Yes. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, they use, by harnessing the power of urine passing through a cascade of microbial fuel cells, which I've never heard about before, they have managed to charge a Samsung mobile phone. Number two, scientists can turn peanut butter into diamonds. Scientists can turn peanut butter into diamonds. True or false? No. It's true. Peanut butter? Yes. Oh, my God. They, they're basically, with a lot of pressure, they use two diamonds. They put the peanut butter between two diamond wedges, and they crush it. And with enough pressure, the peanut butter turns to diamonds. All right, so number three. Venus spins so fast that there are 8,122 days per year there. Venus spins so fast I'm that... I going to say yes. It's false. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> Okay. All right. So the thing is, and this is just some knowledge so that you don't get it wrong ever again. Venus actually spins really, really slowly. In fact, Venus rotates very slowly on its axis. One day in Venus lasts 243 Earth days. What? Yes. One day on Venus lasts 243 Earth days. It's really crazy. So, but the thing is, Venus only takes 225 Earth days to go around the sun. So the day is longer than the year. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Michelina looks like Stephen, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm like... <sighs> Number four, we're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. Number four, scientists have developed a microparticle filled with oxygen that can be injected into the bloodstream so we can live without breathing. Scientists have developed a microparticle filled with oxygen. I'm just going to say no. It's true. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why do they want to inject me with things and have me not breathe? I'm be going to live underwater? Yes. That's what I'm thinking. Are they trying to make Fishman? Yes. Aquaman yes. in real life. That was actually when I was doing the research, that was the thumbnail that they had. Aquaman. They had an Aquaman thumbnail. That's what it sounds like. It is. Oh. Last one. Potatoes have more chromosomes than humans. Potatoes have more chromosomes than humans. Yes. That's true. Okay, that was a good. One. Okay, great. Um, potatoes actually have some. There's a there's a species of potato that has forty eight chromosomes, while humans just have forty six. So, you know, my question to you is like being a being an art teacher, like, like how well you're not an art teacher anymore. My spirit, uh, I am. Your spirit. Okay, so in in your spirit, as an art as an art teacher, in your spirit, like, how do you connect with the kids now? Like, 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 like. Given that we grew up so differently, do you feel, how do you make a space for, for that sort of connection with them? Like, how do with you do that? With the technology, the technology and art, mm -hmm. it's, you have to change. And I try my best to um, engage my classrooms and my learning situations where the child or the learner is allowed to place a demand on me. Oh, wow, a demand. A demand on me, no matter if I'm in Sunday school or community school doing homework or formal classroom. The learner is allowed to say, Miss Charles, I fed up. This is boring. May I understand. We can't do it this way. Like, you must be allowed because mm. it is your learning experience. Mm. So... If I'm teaching you to make a business card and you don't want to use a pencil and a ruler because you have an app in your cell phone. That could do it. Yeah, you could do that. You know why you could do that? Why? Because there's no real use for you making a business card on paper. And I must be honest in the learning experience to appreciate that. So I have my niece and I am very... What, what we're doing as learning, because she's in first form, is extremely experimental. Mm -hmm. So I give her a computer, and she's allowed to use the computer to research. Mm -hmm. So I'm teaching her how to utilize resources and to think critically. So she had an assignment. Who won? Which troop? Which jewelry troop won carnival? And which was the biggest troop? And... Mm -hmm. I said, well, I don't know. But you know who's going to know? Facebook. Wow. So, <laughs> what? Go to Carnival page, page mm. Facebook, and they're going to put up the results. And so you're just going to have to scroll through the data and look for that. Because that is what the world is. Correct. And so she must be able to use her skills in the world as it is. The classroom is not up to date, if we're honest. It's true, yeah. So I have to... Make her be able to function as she is in the world. She need those skills. You know, I think I felt like when we were growing up, they, they taught us the opposite thing. Why did I feel like when we were growing up, it was not, 
let's embrace the technology, but let's teach the children how to write. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was always kind of rudimentary. Like, this is how the colonial... Change is scary. Yeah, it is. And I think, I think maybe, like, looking back, it might have been a situation of, I don't know how to teach you guys this New World Fandango stuff, mm-hmm. but I know how to teach you guys how to go in this book and use the index. Like, I mean, for you, as a, as a, as a, 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 a kind of, you know, a, a pioneer teacher, because I, I think that you are, what you're doing in terms of incorporating these sort of skills is very pioneering, in my opinion. Like, how do you deal with that? Because you would have been coordinating with teachers probably twice, three times your age. Um, as a teacher with my own personal learner, as a teacher for over, I did my 10,000 hours, which mm-hmm. is my decade of practice. So according to... Robert Greene and all of this sort, I'm a master. <laughs> 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours, okay? Mm-hmm. I have to, as I said before, prepare her mm-hmm. for, for the, world. the world that she lives in. So she needs not only pen and paper literacy, she needs dot-com literacy. Correct. She needs to be able to do math and reinforce her understanding of math by talking through the problem because when she talks through the problem she's going to realize what she doesn't understand and talk herself to a solution mm-hmm. I, critical thinking critical versus just thinking yes as opposed to rote learning because i'm a teacher i have the advantage as a auntie to understand I cannot allow the school system to educate my child because then I would have failed my child. Oh, wow. Because the school system as it is, it has not changed Static. in a hundred years. Yeah. And so it is not adequate for producing the type of individuals that are necessary um, to innovate and to function at optimum. I see it every day. The brightest children are the most docile children. Mm. And that is scary because if you're so compliant, you cannot innovate because innovation is pushing against the standard. But they just want to get 100%. They don't want to reform and change and question anything hard. And then they're doing so much things. They're doing 15 subjects and 10 subjects so they can't master any one. Oh, boy. That is, you know, I've always, I've always beaten against the system because I felt like even when we were going to school and that hasn't changed, it's, it's almost like a, re- a recitation, like you're trying to recite information versus actually trying to aggregate any real meaning out of it. Whereas, or even learn anything. Any, you're not learning anything. You, you don't need to learn anything. You just need to remember. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, like, it's just on recall. Mm-hmm. So the people that do the best are not necessarily, as you said, they're not necessarily the the innovators are the creatives it's it's more people who i remember all of these this beat these bits of information i could recall this this equation and i could score a test and i could plug in and at first i used to think well maybe that's what the system wants maybe the system doesn't necessarily want innovators the system wants grunt workers and people who could just that's why school was created school mass education was created to train a mass workforce. It Factory wasn't workers, yeah. 
mass education as it was invented, especially within the colony structure and the Caribbean region. It was just to train a civil force. It was a civil service. It wasn't for innovation. It wasn't for critical thinking. And that is why our buildings continue to be dilapidated. Our teachers continue to be overworked, underappreciated, and under-resourced because the system wasn't designed for anything efficient. That mm. is why special and rich children go to Montessori where learning is different. Mm. They go to Ross, where learning is different because the systems are designed to engage the learner and put them at the center where they can learn reading and literacy throughout different subject areas. So they're reading in math, they're reading in agricultural science, they're doing PE practically and on the computer when they come inside and they're doing the science of physical education mm. and they're making connections. Another thing that learning is, is the ability to make connections. So I'm learning to bake. Mm -hmm. And as I am rolling out the dough and cutting up, cutting it in slices, I roll it in a circle and then I cut it in slices, I realize this is a math lesson. It's a math, yeah. It's a pie. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm putting the ingredients together to make bread, this is a math lesson. It's also chemistry. Yeah. yeah. And so, so when we start to teach our learners math in a way that engages their interest, that is when we change the culture of maths. Because the child who likes to sew and wants to be a fashion designer mm -hmm. can understand how to measure, how to cut, how to use the rule, how to divide, how to add. You need the fractions to make the skirt Correct. because the pattern is made in half. Correct. And the geometry of the yep. skirt is, is, is pure math. Yes. And art. And art. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 it's like the folding in of all of these disciplines, but because you teach it on such a static and isolated, in a, I mean, our education, because you teach it in such an isolated way, you Isolation and abstract. And abstract. So it's so like... they can't connect it to nothing. Like, I'm teaching you this calculus just to pass the, the, the syllabus versus I'm teaching you this calculus because this is going to be important for your life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Put money to a fraction, you see how quick we get it. That's the thing. Exactly. Put money to a fraction, how quick we get it. I can't do a fraction normally, but... Put some money there, and all I see is dollars and quarts 10, 10%. and cents. Me bus money. I just when I got fracture, I just <laughs> me bus money. Okay, so three over four, that's seventy five cents. That's three quarts plus one over two, so seventy five cents plus fifty cents is how much? You see how easy that is? Yes. Because my mind was able to connect it. Me to had something to go real. to the lowest common denominator. And, and things, yeah. So it's like. When the, the teacher, the educator learns how to teach content as connected to the real world, the learner tells you what he or she is interested in mm. and you guide that learning. That's all you're responsible for. So versus it being just like a lecture, it becomes a, a feedback loop, a communication. And the then they are, are going to innovate. The more time they do it, they are going to innovate. That is where the innovation is going to come from, you know. Because innovation and creativity and mastery is the game of young people. Mm. 
if this child wants to sew and you realize by the time she's 10, she's taking up things and she's making things and you put her on a machine. By the time she is what? 15, 16, 20? 17. Mm-hmm. By the time she's 20, she's done a master. Because she's already put in the 10,000. Yes. By the time she's 20. But but the thing is, but but is it okay? And this is me asking a very macro question in a very micro way. Is this possible? Like, is it is it possible to have an education system en masse that is that um, tailor made for the different interests of the students? Of course. I love it. That, the, the way that you said that just now, we really need to get this stuff on video sometimes because you're just like, Stephen, come on, too easy. Yeah. Of course, if the stakeholders. And the greatest stakeholder is the home. Yes, the home is dysfunctional. But there's Auntie Mishi out there who does pick up people's children. You bring that child to me. Yes, I in it. Because that is my passion. That is my purpose. Notice what I said first. I would do engineering for the money. Mm-hmm. But if I had to give up my children, for the, I was near. So, so do you still actively engage of course your children the ones that 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 haven't graduated or like i do i do homework i do sunday school and sometimes i go into the schools and i teach i still go into the schools i be like begging a bly i could come and and i i do that because i know as a teacher we get tired and we do want people to say um so i can teach english in the grade three because what that means is that the tired teacher gets to have an hour break mm-hmm. and so she could write prep she could relax she could go down the road and i could get my fix correct which is connecting with the children and yeah. teaching showing you showing the passion for what you love to do mm-hmm. there, there was one there was one i can't remember the philosopher's name but he was like if we really look at it all of us are just teachers mm-hmm. all of us have something that we might not feel is that great but from the time you start sharing it with the younger generation, you realize, yep. hey, look, this was necessary. Like, I didn't know I had anything to teach until I started opening my mouth and you started asking me questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I know this. How, how do I know? I didn't even, I took this they for granted. They put a demand on you. Oh, man, I love it. When I they love put it. a demand on you and you're pouring. Mm-hmm. But then how do we get, how do we get from this static, isolated place to that place of, listening to the students and actually teaching them based on their curiosity and what they're putting, having them put the demand on the system versus the system put demand on them. I think we're going to have to start to be honest people, decolonize, depoliticize, take away the power structures and all of that is scary because a principal aspires to be a principal because it's a power position. So you destabilize that power and you make the school an ecosystem. So everybody is contributing with a sense of equity. Mm. And if everybody is allowed to contribute with a sense of equity, then the students could go to who they need to get to to get what they want. So you are going to have an agricultural science teacher who is an operations master, just like how you have an engineering firm Mm -hmm. or a graphics firm or media firm. And you have some media specialists who are into 
planning and development mm-hmm. and then you're going to have some media specialists who are into operations and they're just like yeah. operation and production Correct. they're like to suit up get the equipment get it done some just want to you write know write up pre-produce and educators are not different you have some of us that gun like me like to relax on the prep and you're gonna have some english teachers who gonna want to put on a production mm. And we should be allowed to exist according to our skills. And that's what you call differentiated learning in art. We have a lot more leeway to do it. Mm-hmm. So if there is somebody in the art room, he's strong in graphics and somebody who's strong in um, traditional craft and somebody who's strong in painting and somebody who's strong in Sculpture. drawing, mm-hmm. we are going to channel the children Okay, so I realize you like graphic, you need to go to Miss Jeffers. I realize you like writing about art history, you need to go to Miss Charles because Miss Jeffers ain't in that. You like bending wire, <laughs> you need to go to Miss Hanley because she's into carnival and that stuff. You like painting, you need to go to this one. You like decorating, you need to go to Miss Lynch. And so the art room is an ecosystem. There's no hierarchy. There's everybody showing up mm-hmm. with their best skill and that is sustainable. There isn't a pressure to be something because the children have to rotate around us. You can't just oh, wow. do one art form and everybody has to write. So I don't have to fight up to do graphics, but I'm going to teach the children to write about their graphics and that's a valuable contribution. That is a, so this is this, this system that you're talking about, is this how it works now? Or this is what you've kind of... That's how it worked in the school that I was at. It just made sense. It made sense. It was sustainable for each of us to contribute our strengths to the system. It made sense. It's like the difference between a triangle and a circle. Mm-hmm. In a circle, we support each other. We're in a uh, ecosystem in a triangle the bottom needs to be heavy yeah 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 for the people at the top to, to feel to feel yeah. to thrive yeah. yeah the power structure has to be hierarchical yes. and top down and that is why our school systems are not different the bright elite oriented children are a1 mm-hmm. a2 maybe some of them mm-hmm. and then the rest of the school doesn't get the same value same education, treatment, yeah. The same value, the same quality of education. And the thing is, not that's, even the same quality of teachers. They, they don't. They, they usually provide the best teachers for the A one and yeah. the A two. The thing is, too, and I think what you are doing then is you are already introducing classism into the education system. We are somebody who is introducing it. It was built with it. Built in, yeah. Because even the the separation of the different classes, A1, A2, A3, A4, A5, A6 sometimes. Like if you're in A6, like what is that telling you about your value, the value of your contribution to the the socioeconomic situation? You're done. You're done. Like, and you're limited now to a specific type of job. Even if you would be the one that would say, hey, look, I am the best carpenter that there ever was. All you have to teach me to do is how to run this as a business. Because I'm already interested in the money. Just teach me how to make money from it. But I am the best carpenter that you have in the school. But we don't care about that because it's like, yeah, but you're still in the remedial class. And also the business teacher doesn't see the connection to the woodwork shop. She doesn't see why she has to go over there. Which is crazy to me. But why would she see it? 
education is not income generating. She dealing with books and paper. But education is the, 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 the basis of, 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 of any business. In order for... We don't see it that way. And again, it's the ability to make connection. I find, I find it's, it's, I don't know. When I, was, when I was in high school, I always felt like even being in an A1 class, which it doesn't really mean anything to me now, but even being in an A1 class, I always felt like the only time I started to really learn anything is when I left school. Because when I was in school, what the institution was telling you is that we have this amount of subject, this amount of um, data to cover, this amount of, um, what do I call it, like chapters in this book to get through. I don't care about the chapters in the book. I never, I, I didn't give a crap. I, I just did the minimal necessary to stay in an A1 class. I was never driven to do any of that stuff. I preferred all of the clubs and the PE and all them exciting, nice things and talking to the girls, really and truly. <laughs> That was one of my motivations for okay. going to school, but I digress. What I'm saying is when I left school and we left, we left high school in a very interesting time, we were going to college when computers were becoming a lot more accessible. Like it wasn't, it wasn't only that if you were super duper rich, you know, if you're middle income, you could have a computer. You know what I mean? If you wanted to go into the computer lab, they allowed you to go into the computer lab in the, in the college. When I got access to things like Google and Netscape and people in about Netscape, and you could type in a search and learn anything you want, like that blew my mind and I actually was interested in education when I had the opportunity to choose my education. I only got a, an affinity for history when I was able to so search history on myself. your curiosity. Exactly. But... The I've never felt comes with barriers to curiosity and barriers to enthusiasm. Because it cuts you. The school rooms, the, the schools as they're built, they cannot well maybe virtuals is different, but a majority of these schools cannot facilitate teaching, making even a majority, half of the population, have access to computer science because the resource is not there. It's not there, yeah. Yeah, to but choose everybody have a phone. Every, but the thing and is, at the time, everybody didn't. No, but what I'm saying is, how do you teach information technology from your phone? Because we operate information technology from the phone. Every day. Like the other day, I went to the <clears> bank and I needed to write a letter to open my business account. And I was like, can I have a pen and a paper? She said, no, you have to type it. You might have to go home to come back. I said, excuse me? I was like, I, don't I have a computer day. in my hand. Like, I have a computer in my hand. So I just went <clears> in, <throat> pull up my notebook, write the letter, edit it grammarly on my phone, open my email. And send. Send it to her. Print it to you in the bank. Sign it. So how do we use the resources available to us to teach information technology. Because I was in a situation where she was sending me home from the bank because she wanted to go home after I done wait three hours. And I was like, no, we are going to engineer a solution to this. And the solution is I'm going to use the computer that's in my hand and we're going to share resources. You know what's very interesting? That's <laughs> What's very interesting about this is that I don't even think that it dawned on her that that was a possibility. Like, like, 
you, you would say like, oh, well, you know, she's like, okay, I need to go home because it, I, I, I'm done. So go home, type it on a computer and send it back to me. I don't think in her mind she ever engaged that we could just type this and send it as an email. Mm-hmm. And that would be just fine. Even if I needed to copy and paste it to a Word document. Because I have a digital signature as well. Like, <laughs> the amount of apps that exist, because there's no limit to what people could create on the apps. Like, the apps could do as much as your phone could do. There's an app that could fully take advantage of the phone's mm-hmm. resources. And there are apps that we do not know about that are free that could do all manner of amazing things. Yep. Like, it's just, it's, we live in a different age completely. What you're asking is, why are we not engaging the information technology that is, is in existence in the palm of everybody's hand, right? Do, do people even need to buy an actual computer in most situations? Like, a friend of mine was asking me, like, Stephen, what kind of um, MacBook? Would, you, would I need to buy if I wanted to do some, um, some editing? I said, um, what, are you, what, what kind of editing are you doing? Um, they were like, well, you know, I do, I do some um, illustration work and stuff like that. <clears throat> I said, you have, a, you have an iPad or, you know, like a, a, a tablet? I said, yeah, yeah, man, I got an iPad. Then why not just use the iPad? He said, how? Just get a pen. That's it. The demand, how? How? It's like... The, all of these apps, Illustrator is available on your iPad. Just use the iPad that you have and do your illustration work. Do you? I, I am taking a lot of coaching. I'm doing a lot of marketing, business-oriented classes because I want to do education on my terms. Mm. And so I have to learn the business of education and how to monetize my classroom skill and become an edupreneur. That's what I'm fascinated about now. So mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot of coaching. And a coach is basically a teacher. Correct. And I have these white women, and I say white because I think white North American because their culture is so free. It's less oppressive, and I guess they never experienced colonization. And no, 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 no. So no, they no. are a lot more liberated. Of course, yeah. In their ideas. And she does not exert as much effort as I do. All she does <laughs> is ask me questions. So what do you think? And even if you say, I don't know, she goes like, oh, that's a very interesting place. Oh, my God, that is fascinating. You don't know? And then she just asks you another question. But she's not giving you any answers. So she has a standard, a place that we kind of look like we should be. But mm-hmm. if you want to get to a different place, she just, the ability to ask question and to, it's almost as if you take the tiredness out of teaching because you put the responsibility of learning on the learner. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, you yeah. don't beat them with the textbook. You don't, you don't beat them with, you cultivate critical thinking, you cultivate discipline, you teach the ability, you teach how to make a decision. Mm-hmm. You teach grit. How to challenge things. Yes, because I think, I think her approach is the information is all around you. Correct. If you want it, you're going to go and get it. But ask, just ask, <clears throat> instead of me saying, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, how would you get to four? Well, teacher, you know, I think I'll get to four by starting at zero and then to one, two, uh, and then four. No, well, you know, three would be in there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, three. 
and then you you create an experience with again it's like when you first started talking you said you're talking it's so refreshing to hear somebody think of teaching that way in that let them demand something of me demand something of me as your teacher versus me demanding everything of you mm -hmm. like i need you to do a hundred bits of homework yeah, yeah. but the teacher but, but teacher may really learn nothing imagine okay it's like what would be the best what would be the best outcome that this student learns by heart but could teach somebody else one chapter in a year or that you've made them that you've gone through a hundred chapters in a year and they've learned nothing what i was fascinated by and i think i understand a little bit in part is children play as much as we're into technology we play mm -hmm. and we like to play in St. Kitts, we play football very well. We play basketball. We play tennis. Cricket. We play, we dance. And these are the things that people are interested in. I've never watched football, but I, you know, I watch the pictures and I'm like, wow, so much people have gone to this football thing. Yeah, man. And then, you know, the young men are so interested in football. So mm -hmm. why we can't use football to teach math? You you very well can teach football. Yeah, you could so use... So why when all them children who went go watch football in the night and they ain't doing no homework, why we can't make um the friendly letter about the football match, you know, Spurs versus St. Paul's and allow them to tell Shaniqua <laughs> up in Monkey Hill how the game was because they have the data and you would have piqued their interest. interest. Yeah. And so now they are willing to learn the structure of the letter because they're writing about something. That they want to write about? Yes. I watched this movie lately that was called The Whale. And he was a teacher. It doesn't matter the, the basis of the movie. I'm just mm -hmm. saying he was a teacher and he was having some trouble teaching his own daughter how to write. So she was like, I'm not interested in writing any essays because I, I think it's all BS. Mm -hmm. She thinks that the book is all BS. So he's like... Why do you think that the book is BS? She said, because it's pretentious. Like, look at how he goes to this. And she starts breaking down the book. It's not conventional, but she starts breaking down the issues with the book and that he missed this metaphor and this didn't connect. And he didn't even resolve this, 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 this. He initiated this, this which circumstance. Which means daddy's work was done. Which means she does have a good, she does have an essay. It's just that she has an essay that she feels that nobody wanted to hear. So he's like, write that. And she's like, if I write that, I'm going to fail. He says, write that. Because when you write that, at least it means something to you. The whole point of education is to find a way to express yourself and to do something with your life. If all you're doing is copying what people want, to, do, you're, never going to, you're never going to express yourself. And that is why I came out of classroom. Because I wanted to create positive change. And education is stuck in a time capsule. And in order to be disruptive Correct. in order to cause a ruckus <laughs> I needed my time I needed Michi the, the time to cause a ruckus because it's important if I am passionate about education it cannot mean that I stay in the system that is failing our children the system that is inadequate and do it means I must say okay this is a problem or oh, you don't hear me Mr. Prime Minister this is a problem parents this is a problem. Your child needs your engagement.
within their learning you have to come to this school you know why you have to come to this school because when you come we're going to show up to class more your child going to have more respect and you are going to be able to participate even if you can't read or write Correct. that moral support and presence add value to the learning system so you have to engage you can't stay isolated because your child benefits from it. So I needed to say those things. Say them loud, say them strategically and take up space. One of the things that's missing from the stakeholders, which is very, very important, is the education advocate. It's a real position among the stakeholders. The advocate. The, 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 the education, education advocate. advocate. Uh-huh. Because these are the persons that are raising the concerns and creating awareness of the concerns. Education will continue as it is if nobody's saying, hey, this is a problem. Like I was at rituals last night and there was this woman who has been teaching for 28 years. 28, my Christ. 28 years. And her husband came to me and said, Michelina, you don't know me, but I know you because I read you every day. And this is my wife and she is... A teacher, and she's been teaching for 28 years, and I'm fed up. Okay? What? This is the condition of her school, and this is a problem, and this man could be my father. And this is a problem, and this is a problem, and this is a problem. I didn't tell you, you know, because we read you. I said, you need 10 more Michelinas because y'all just taking nonsense. Nonsense Michelina. And he was literally like... Beckoning for that, yeah. He was like, tell somebody. Please. This is the condition my wife working in, overmulling you, like, tell somebody. Wow. This is a man that could be my father. And then I had another professional organization, a president for a professional organization come. And he said, we are trying to ratify the laws, Michelina, and I see the work you do for community. I want you to tell me what you think about or a proposal for ratification. Wow. And they were literally waiting in line. So I got no work done. Like as soon as one person, another person, and then there was somebody from the Ministry of Environment who was like, oh, we want to put this education program together. Wow. Because when you stand up and you say, hey, education is important. Education is valuable. Education is the basis of everything and we need to look at it differently people start paying attention once the content is good Mm -hmm. once you are consistent and frequent you will they will turn yeah you will get followers anything is people will prop up and say yes you see i always felt that it's it's always more difficult for one person to like emerge than it Mm -hmm. is for like 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 you would always think okay it's going to take something that's going to get everybody riled up and everybody's going to stand up. You just up. need a few. No, it's not that. You just need, you need to stand. Like if one person stands up, everybody, most people are like, yeah, she got a point for true. Yeah, I've always felt that way. Yeah, but I, I was never, I didn't want to upset the, the, the balance. I felt like things would never change. So that's why I didn't say anything. And maybe maybe that's also as a, as a point of our culture. Like I feel like a lot of, what we feel, we talk about amongst ourselves, but we don't ever make it an issue for the people who could make the change, or we don't mm-hmm. ever bring it up on a, an institutional level. Disruption and we don't disrupt. making is shrown, frowned upon. Correct. Like By I, whom, though? 
It's frowned upon by the authority. Exactly. Because the people who need to change it. <laughs> because the destabilization or the disruption disrupts their comfort. That's it does, all yeah, know. it does, it does. The status quo is, is shaken. Yeah, and it disrupts their comfort because if you already suffering, or the disruption gonna do it could only make your situation better. better correct. But that negotiation, that confrontation, and the confrontation doesn't have to be volatile. It could just be this is this is an issue. Like Teachers in 2023 teaching in a hall with three classrooms. I mean, teaching is hard as it is. Correct. And then you could imagine two other classes screaming over you. How? Or one of those teachers don't come to school and so you now have to manage two classes, two primary school classes. In a hall. In a hall. I mean, I know they did it back in the 70s, but you can't do it they now. got separate classes for a reason because it was more efficient. So it's, but then the thing is, we can't. I don't think we should be. We should be copying those times either. No, we shouldn't. It's just. It's just equality of poor education. resource management, poor implementation of everything. And let me just say, I make a ruckus, but I also put in the work. I put my money where my mouth is. So that is why I'm constantly in classroom. I'm constantly doing the homework because I don't want to ever be removed from the heart of education, which is that contact with the student. The student yeah. So that even though I'm saying, oh, the powers that be needs to do this, I can see with equal compassion and responsibility, teachers, this is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. Parents, this is your responsibility. Politician, this is your responsibility. Church, this is your responsibility. responsibility. Mm -hmm. Education is a community asset. And so we need as community to actively engage. In the whole process. Yeah. Because it benefits all Everybody. of us. Yeah. When, when did you feel like, like, like you had a voice? Like what did you do to kind of establish yourself as sort of an advocate for education? Um, the last school I taught at, I think I was severely bullied by administration. Wow. Bullied to the point where I, I was abused. I was spoken badly off. I was written up badly off. And I just thought it was unfair. Mm -hmm. It was bias. It was just abuse in every sense. And I was like, no, I am going to raise my status i am going to stand up in community as michelina because though i might not be able to control your narrative about me i will have an input wow i might not be able to control your narrative about me but i will have an input and it was it was it was a response to being an abused and tired teacher. Wow! So so it's it's from that beating down that you said the beating. It's and 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 it what happened? It's like you have slaves and then you have a rebellion. You have slaves on the ship and some of them just decide to jump over. I ain't another. going to that mainland. So for me, choose death over. <laughs> <laughs> It's for me, it was abuse. I was very much abused. And anybody that worked with me would 
well not anybody because you know there would be different filters of seeing it but my story is I was abused as a teacher and I just needed to do something about the abuse and as an artist and as an English major what I appreciated and I understood holistically was art was not a message and English was not a message but what Art and English is, is mediums to amplify that message. Ooh. And so I was trained. I was skilled with the mediums. All I had to do was to put the message in the medium. Wow. And so that I was is... equipped. And so all I started to talk about was teacher care because I needed care. That was my personal story. As a teacher, as a young teacher, as somebody that loved classroom, I needed care. And so creating meaningful or transformational change in education through teacher care, because I needed care. And if I needed care, there are at least one other teacher that needs, that needs care. care yeah. And I, I could bet you it's not just one other teacher. And so... Because yeah. we need teachers. Yeah. You, you know, you know this. I, I, oh, man. There's, there's a lot to this topic. Um, forgive me. When I, was in high, when I was in high school, there was this one teacher who I used to, and I don't want to make it sound like it was inappropriate. It's probably more inappropriate on my part. But that teacher did so much for me in terms of allowing me to grow as as a young adult, like there were many questions that I had that I felt like I couldn't talk to my parents about. There were many things that were going on in my life in terms of like even, you know, male, female relations. And I didn't know how to navigate those spaces. Right. And there was one teacher who made it made such a comfortable environment for me that I could express myself and she would guide me accordingly. She was like my counselor, me, she like, and she went above and beyond. I would be like riding my bike. Me and my friend would ride my bike, go over by her. And this woman is home. She is not in teacher mode. She is in her house. She would come out and talk to us for hours and listen to us just vent and ask questions and help us navigate. She was really loving that teacher. Life. Like, I don't even know. I should just probably get half my salary now. I don't know. I feel like. Without her, I would have been lost. Mm -hmm. Like, I would have been lost. I would have felt like I would have, I, I could see myself sinking into a level of depression. And it's only because of the light that she showed. She actually gave a shit about us. Like, she didn't just come to teach us English and lit. She came. Francis? No, no, no. It wasn't. Oh. May I call your name? Because may I want to get in trouble? Because again, we used to go away in the afternoon and she would just like, just talk to us. And again, she, she it, it was, oh my God, it was, I, I cannot, I cannot in me believe that I would be the Stephen that I am today without her. I completely understand. And the thing is, I think what raises this in me, or raises the emotion in me is that to feel like, all of that would have gone unnoticed. Like, there's no administration to navigate. Well, you know, you're putting in three hours of extra time to guide these two young men. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no 
I'm going to pay you extra for that. You know what I mean? She could have literally said, listen, tomorrow come to me and meet me in school. Or don't come back by my I house. Or don't come back by my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't come back on my porch. Go talk to me about nothing about mm-hmm. your little child problems. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. She could have easily said that. There was no compensation. But to know, be an adult and like, wow, that's all, like, that's all so serious. But to know, be an adult and look upon the teachers and know that they're being mistreated. Like, like how much of us like, like needed, like our parents were inadequate. Like they didn't know what to tell us and we didn't believe in them to tell us anything. Like the teachers were the ones who guided us on a daily basis. Those were the, the adults that spent the most time with us most of the times. We go home to work and sometimes my parents don't come home until nighttime. They meet us for two hours, we go to school in the morning and we're spending all day with these adults. And to feel that they're being mistreated and they're not being like cared for, or honored, or treasured, like this is ridiculous. It, it's like, it just, it sparks, like it just sparks so much rage in me. How, there's absolutely no way, like wh- why do we on such a level think that doctors and lawyers and bankers and these people, we, we give them honor, we give them value. And the people that we depend on to take care and guide our children on a daily basis, we don't honor them? Nope. That is craziness. And we think it's okay to abuse them. And like, we're in the studio right now and we're here in Sports Day. Correct. At this time. This is what, like, this is it. Hit 17. And the DJ is still going on. The, the sports is still going on. Which means? And you have to report to school tomorrow, 8.25. If you do not go to school tomorrow at 8.25, you will be late. But you gave more than 16 hours. Extra, yeah. To have a sports for free. on a, a Sunday night, yeah. And I can tell you, teaching for 12 years, teachers were also at the school on Saturday. Cleaning chicken, making sandwich, cooking food, doing shopping. And Monday morning, you must be there for 8.25, otherwise you're late. And that late that you might have gotten from being tired for working all weekend for free might be the late that um, qualifies you to get a letter from your principal telling you that you are 10 times late for the whole term and the consequences for that and after this we are going into Easter term which is high CXE season and into school income yet yeah it's the abuse the the weariness of the system the workload I needed to scale my voice and I needed to scale my reputation because I felt like I was being abused by the system and abused by the administrator of the school. And I didn't have to take it because I was skilled Mm. and I could speak back and I could speak back to more than the school. Correct. I did not need permission because I did all of this training. I qualified myself. And so I, can take the responsibility to create change and the change that i'm interested in making in the landscape of education is care teachers need care 
is very important. Yo, I, I'll tell you the honest truth, right? You, you, you know, I never even thought about that. Like when I was going to inter school, it was teachers driving the buses to carry us to inter school. Mm-hmm. Like even like Coach Wilkinson, like that's a whole weekend of work from seven o'clock in the morning until eight, nine, it's ten months o'clock. Of work. It, it, it is because he would be training us after school. So like until seven o'clock every day, seven o'clock in the night every day, and then have to report to school, as you said, for eight. And not no teacher goes to school for eight twenty-five. Mm-mm, we did before. They did eight. <laughs> Like I've never even like I've never even thought of it like that. Like and I'm guessing that a lot of parents would be like, well, that's just what being a teacher is. I mean, yeah, I'll get like three months worth of vacation. But they probably should get three months of vacation for a whole weekend of no extra pay. And there are lots of weekends like that. Like Sadler's high school just had a queen show. And their teachers just endured the same thing for the Queen Show because to put that production on requires extra time. It requires effort outside of the curriculum yep. demands. Outside of teaching time. Yo. Mm-hmm. If so if you don't love teaching then <laughs> And that's another thing that I find where teacher care, like I don't feel like you need to be passionate about teaching to teach. I think the job requirement should be competency. And if you're competent and you want just to do it as a job, you should be allowed. You should be allowed to leave 4.30 or 3.30 because you have a husband and... Commitments. Aging grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And children, like, you should be able to say, this is a job and I have these boundaries to live. Or I am young and... I'm not into school sports, so I'm not coming, but my lessons are planned. I'm on class at time. I think we need to stop putting so much pressure on what the teacher should be. If it's just a job and you're good at the job, great. We don't ask for passion from almost anybody else. No, no, no. no. But you you put this heavy cloak off. Well, you know. You're a teacher, so you should. Yeah, and it's not fair. I'm passionate about it. But Miss Jeffers don't need to be passionate about it. She just needs to be professional about it. The space needs to be safe for different kind of people to show up to teach. But then who can go to the sports? <laughs> no, but if, if you care for the teachers, they will show up. Because we just fall in love with them children and that'll be it, you know? Because you ain't going sports, go do nothing. But by the time you're a teacher, your good up days done, you know, you're going sports there in some comfortable shoes, a jean pants and a short. Correct, correct. You're going for the children. You're going for the children. Because they're going to say, teacher, you're coming, go see me one. Yeah, man. You ain't want you. Not considering that Hello? you have a life on a weekend. <laughs> yes, but if they're going to watch you and say, teacher, you're coming. Then you're going to go. You're going to go. Normal, normal, you can't go. And it, it, it goes back to what I was saying. You're spending an extraordinary amount of time on mm-hmm. a weekly basis. Sometimes you are spending in excess of three times more time yep. than the parents would spend with the children. Yep. You know these children. Like, I remember one time a, a teacher came to my house and they were like, you know, Stephen is very outspoken in class. He's a little lewd. And my parents were shocked. They were like, lewd? Lewd? <laughs> 
they were like, Stephen? No, you're not talking about my son. My listen, my parents of A no, they did not know who I was. In school. They don't know who I was. They know they know that, you know, on a weekend we have these church things to go to have Saturday you ministry. Well I was well behaved in in church and so but when I go to school I'm able to be who I want to be. Yep. And they they, they were so shocked. I could remember Miss Clark. And I watched Miss Clark like, wait, tell me. Michi, I I'm in the chair, and my parents them are locked into Miss Clark, and Miss Clark looking over to me, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> I work with Miss Clark. She would write you out like that. And she's doing it with no attention. She's like, you probably don't know who your son is. He's very, very outspoken. He's very loud. He, 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 has, he shouts a lot of lewd things in my class and other classes. And I'm like, Miss Clark, <laughs> come on, Miss Clark. This is unnecessary. <laughs> but even to do that, think about the resource necessary. Yeah, to man. Do that. She and she, she came at seven o'clock in the morning. Drive. Yes. The time. Correct. The compassion to Correct. be. You to know, draw attention to an issue. To talk like, to your parents, and she might be taking a risk because your parent might be like, "Look, right, woman, that Amy's son, I don't know." But she, she, she thought enough to care to show up. Correct. I mean, it's not like, I think my parents did anything about it. I mean, they were upset. Mm -hmm. But you also, have the, you also have the fact that I think teachers, in terms of dealing with students or dealing with children, they are much better trained in some cases to deal with children than my parents. First of all, Miss Kak is much older than my parents. And when I say much older, I don't mean to make it sound like some 100-year-old person. Miss Mary from Sandy Point? No, Miss Kak from St. Paul's. Yeah, yeah Sandy, Point. Sandy Point. Oh, That's they live Sandy Point now? No, she came from Sandy Point. Yeah, Sandy she probably school. did. Yeah, she probably came from Sandy mm -hmm. Point. But again, she was much, she's much older than them. She she knows the patterns. She's seen, she knows when it's it's a problem. She when was it's, a lifetime teacher. Yes, she was. 30-something years. Correct. She's amazing. You could imagine somebody teaching for 30-something years. Heroic. It is amazing. Like, But what I'm saying is that, her ability to realize a bad situation and to be able to deal with it and to make some meaningful change was, would, would have outclassed my parents at that point in time. My parents are pretty young in comparison, especially the age difference between me and my mom is like 21 years. Like Miss Clark would have been like 50 or something at that time. Like I, I, I can't hold a candle. They can't hold a candle to, to her um experience when it comes to kids i'm the first child they have no idea what it is like to you know to bring up a teenager i'm the first i'm the They're test baby exactly yeah. she's not experimenting she's a world-class teacher you know <laughs> she's had hundreds of exactly before. <laughs> so so i think i think when she came to the house it was as a manner of saying i am serious about what i'm telling you in school and if you don't listen to me, I'm going to come back to your parents and I'm going to make an even stronger declaration that you're not doing the right things. And I think after that, <laughs> I don't want to, what do you call that? The show up. That, that visit. <laughs> the show up. That show up there, like yeah. I, I did, I did pull up my socks a bit, especially in this, because I was being, mm -hmm. I was being ridiculous. And again, she knew what to do. That was all of that was a power play. I'm I am going to show up at your house and I'm going to make this a situation. If you don't listen to me, she knew what to do. My parents didn't know what to do. What, what, what the way they're going to tell me? 
What were, they going, what were they going to say? I mean, even if they beat you, like, they don't even know what exactly they're beating you for. I think if I become a parent and a teacher comes home because my child not behaving in class, I think I would, like, buy a pair of uniform and go to class. You would be mortified. I would be dead. Yes. I would buy some uniforms and get my hair, well, my hair, and put on my socks and shoes and come to class. Since you don't know how to behave, then we in class. Maybe I might misbehave and shout lewd things in the class with your friends. I am very happy <laughs> that Joseph and Hyacinth Smith <laughs> did not take that approach to my education. I thank them for their modesty and for their willingness to listen to Miss Clark at that time and not take those provisions. I would have been... Yeah. Absolutely, and your mortified. friends would never let you live. Never, it you remember when your father come and he had on he high socks and he low, <laughs> <laughs> he high water pants, the gun mouth. You remember the gun mouth pants that your father wear? I would be, I would never, ever live that down. I don't even know. I would never even become prom king if that was the case. Yeah, I, I don't know. I thank God. I don't, I don't want to think about it. I just had a vision of my father wearing high water pants and. I'm sure he did wear high water pants and he was very cool back in his day. I think my father thinks he's very cool now. Yeah. I, I don't think he's lost that. So, so his cool has never, you know, really been. I'm sure he probably hear you say, you know, I'm old now and he watching you like, uh, you old by yourself. You old by yourself because I'm young. Yeah. I'm a young 60 young something. Yeah. Right, right, yes, right. Just right. in his prime. Right. Has he slowed down from working yet? No, he hasn't. Um, he hasn't. The other day, he he did break his hand. Mm -hmm. I think he, he dropped off a ladder or something and broke his hand. Um, and he slowed down for that time. And and COVID happened. Yeah, COVID kind of sucked. So, you know. But he's back now and he's doing a lot more work. To me, I don't feel like he's slowing down that much. Okay. But, I mean, even talking to some of my friends, what we realize is that we're going to be working for a while. <laughs> Did you just see me close my eyes? <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know, you know, you know, this dream of like retirement and like, like, you know. I'm over it though. I am done. I'm, I I think I'm going to be working for a while, man. I'm so over it. Like, ooh. I don't know. I don't know. Even as a, I don't know if as an adult, like I felt like this would be different. I, I, I don't know what your thoughts were, but when I was 19, I thought that, you know, by the time I'm 30, that's old. Like, by the time I'm 30, that's 11 years. Like, that's old. I should be a millionaire by then. I should have, like, a house and three cars and, you know, the conventional... Um, For me, when I was younger, I just wanted to be able to do what I want and nobody tell me nothing. I can't wait to get rid of, of these adults. I just can't wait. I'm, and this is what I used to say. I'm never going to tell anybody anything. I'm never going to tell anybody what to do. I can't wait. Oh, my God. Then I became a teacher. Exactly like the adults telling those young people what to do. It is so crazy. The I'm opposite like, oh, thing. my God. When did I become this person? Like, how? Like, God, like, how could you lose me like this? Like, Oh man, yo, oh yo! God. I'll tell you this. You know, you know when I knew, when I knew I was, when I knew I was an adult, an adult is when this twenty-one-year-old um, young lady who I was training came up to me and said, "Stephen, um, could I talk to you about? Could I talk to you about something?" No, she said, "Mr. Smith." Oh man, when it starts like that, it's different. Mm. Uh, Mr. Smith, could I talk to you about something? And I'm like, 
sure, no problem. And she, she walks me outside and she's like, so I'm having this issue, right? I don't know how to talk to this person about this. I don't know. Do you have any advice? I'm like, Jesus Christ. This, watch this young girl here asking me 35-year-old self for advice. And watch me here giving this 21-year-old advice. Yeah. Michelle, you know, who are we? Yeah, like the other day, one came to me and she was like, I would really like for you to mentor me. And I'm like, Listen, like roll eyes, like, come on. Like, come figure on. your stuff out. Do you think I'm an old person? You think I got stuff figured out? <laughs> <laughs> and I kept, like, I kept ignoring her, you know. I just kept ignoring her. And then ignoring she just kept the coming and she just kept coming. She I was like, to, okay. She has to come. <laughs> I was like, when did this happen? It happened, though. It's it's the truth. It's this oh is God. This is where we are. And it's like... You know, it makes me feel like, okay, what it does to me, right? For my parents, I have so much more compassion for them because... They didn't know nothing. If I am this, and and the thing is, I am this old. Don't have no child. And I, can't and I don't have no child. One. I don't have a wife. I don't have a girlfriend at this point, which is But could you imagine what you're going fantastic. to do with the baby oh when you go to God, the gym? I'm always like, what am I supposed to do with the baby when I go to the gym? There isn't a baby in section. I, I, you know, I made a joke with a friend of, well, a friend of mine who is our age. And I said to her, you know, if I had a child, I would just drop them off at the fire station if I needed like a two hours off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, seriously. Like, she's like, Stephen, you cannot do that. I'm like, why not? Isn't like, what are like they going to do? Save baby space? I mean, what are they, they going to do other than take care of that child? Like, what, what do you think that at the first station they're going to just be like, well, there's a child outside. I guess we'll leave it out there anyway. No, they're going to take it in. And take in the baby. Correct. And then call the first station and say, like, hey, you know what happened? Worst thing ever. I had my niece. She dropped it. I don't know why she dropped my child off there. I'm coming for it now. What do you think they're going to say? Here. Exactly. Two hours. Like, yeah. And I had my break. Yeah. I had my much needed. But how about aunties though? Like you don't think you could like drop it off at aunties? Okay. So all jokes aside, right? I definitely think I could drop my child off at my mother's house. Okay. I think that my mother would drop her entire life to take care of my offspring. I, I feel with me, with more certain. She's the only person in my life I felt like. I feel like in my heart would just be like, yeah, bring him, bring her. I'll take care of Suzette for you. Come bring Suzette. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited for the first time she goes like, well, you know, I'm going out. I'll leave her with your father. And then I'll, I'll, that's when I will scream, no. Grandfathers are something special. They are. And just carefree. All jokes aside, I... As long as the child doesn't incur any injury, I, I'm a hundred percent okay. I think grandfathers are the most laid back parenting you could possibly. Yeah. They're not. There's no grandfather that is this is like hot in the head born a child. Mm -hmm. It's like you want the candy, sure. Yeah, man. Do you want some pop too? Sure. You want some bread? Or sure. Like, or gonna do it. like you know, you know, grand, where grandfathers are famous for carrying children places that children are not supposed By to the go. Bar. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have my, my, my six-month-year-old child mm. in she little Bambi overalls at a freaking bar? Yeah. 
He's like, well, I mean, we're wrong. I wanted to get a drink and she had to come. She had to come. Your mother done went out. <laughs> Waiting for her to do. And, you and, and you can't tell the grandfather's nothing, you know. No. Grandfather's ain't listening to you no. and your little no. thoughts. Listen, your child fine. He yeah. eat. What does he want? He's the first father. You, you, boy, listen to me. Don't tell me how to raise you and I don't raise you and, you, and, your, and your siblings them. I have experience. <laughs> and we would have had that. <laughs> And, and you know what's the strange thing? What's that 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 child that you would be trying to protect from their grandparent would love that grandparent. With everything. <laughs> and would and would tell you on occasion with their little snap mouth that I wanna go over by grandpa. Can I please go by grandpa? Irresponsible grandpa. But they wanna, wanna go by go, grandpa. Yeah. And I think I think parents also laugh at their children when they have children because they're like you remember? You remember when you were stressing me out? Look it's at not, it now. It's now your turn. Yeah. And I'm not going to help you. I'm going to take care of your child. Yes, fine. One, every now and then. But I'll make sure that you know mm-hmm. that you were a, a pester for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm expecting to get a little sass. A lot of spicy mouth. Like, from, your, from your offspring? My God. I hope to have a daughter and I hope to have a lot of sass. I hope to be able to manage that sass when she tells me about myself and become an advocate for her freedom. <laughs> so, uh, um, so you're raising, um, you're raising an Amazonian. <sighs> Why would you say that? You're raising a fighter. Definitely, yes. I, I want one of those little girls. What I find in schools is that and parents don't get to see this, is that those well-behaved boys and girls are like guppies to the sharks. <laughs> they get eaten up? They get eaten up. You know, you got to get a little tough. You got to get a little, you know, like creed, like, you know, like can up, like punch back. Like punch back. Like they tell you something, you tell them something quick. The snappy one. Yes. I want, you know, when she's in first form and the fourth form come and, you know, try to drag her. She'd be like, don't touch me. Do not touch me. I'm going to bring my mother. Don't touch me. I have a selfish will. I'll tell you what, my selfish will. I want a daughter just so I could tell her. You see that body and how he behaving? This is exactly what he thinking. That's all, that's all I want. I just want to be able to give her the advice of, that fell over there? Mm-mm, bad news. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Let me tell you why. This is the first thing he going to do. Second thing he going to do. Third thing he going to do. And then he going to try the second thing again. Watch out. And what are you going to do when she says, um, so daddy, you was like him? Of course not. <laughs> Sweetie, I was not. You read it in a book, daddy? I, I did my research. Don't ask me where I got it. Just know that daddy know. He gonna try X, Y, Z, and then Y again. Mm. Then he gonna go back to X, mm. thinking you gonna do X two, two or three times because you're gonna cave, but you're not gonna cave. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna do A, B, C. He'll move to Z, and then he'll finally come back around to A where you wanted him to be in the first place. I'm telling you, sweetie, this you is how you run the game. You know what happened to daddies like you all? Right. But we don't get we heartbreak, man. Yeah, boy. Because she sometimes she, she gonna look the same one like you. Yep. Yeah. And she's not gonna be like you. I think she I think, grows into that. You know what sucks is that I think parenthood is the only. I, I don't want even want to call it like a, an occupation or a job. Maybe it's a, let's call it a job for argument's sake. Is the only job where you're training this person to leave. 
lots of Caribbean parents, especially Caribbean black mothers of black male, don't train them to lead. Then we're doing it wrong. <laughs> no, but... We're I doing mean, it wrong. How much do you know six young men like yourself who not shacking up with a woman outside of his mother's house, no real desire to go back home and doing it independently? Ah, oh, damn, that's a good... That's a good... I could think of three. I can't think of six. But living by themselves, not shacking up with a woman. Oof. Give me... Okay, listen, you gotta give me time. I have to do some research. <laughs> no, because... I can't the, think of it. I can't the think Caribbean of... Caribbean culture. Yeah, One, it's you that. have a girlfriend... She gonna want moving with you because you're not supposed to be by yourself. That's what they told us, yeah. And then your mother gonna be like, well, the average mother, if you're married, where you going? <laughs> no, seriously, where it's you true. going? I'm going to live by myself, mommy. For what? <laughs> Something wrong with your bedroom? It's, it's, it's amazingly uncomfortable how precise that, that mm -hmm. simple interaction the was. The informal, educating, non-academic training of the Caribbean boy is to constantly be in his mother and uh, with a his woman's mother. Charge. Uh, a woman's charge. It's, 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 it's infantile. Is that like... Yeah, that's actually true. Mm -hmm. It's like we raised to be baby boys. Yep. Our baby men. Like... Mm -hmm. You always have to be cuddled and under the key of a woman. Mm. Which sometimes <clears throat> leaves the woman very tired because she has to do all of these things for you. And I imagine being a man comes with its own... Yeah, challenges. Challenges that I, I have no experience of, I can't really speak to. Um, but I, I'll say this though. The reason, <clears throat> the reason I moved out is because I wanted to experience... Like independence, yes, but I wanted to experience responsibility. I felt like I felt like when I was when I was with my parents or when I was living at home, um, so much things were provided for me. Like my mom would do, like she just would just do so much. If you ain't, if she tell you clean your bedroom, and you ain't clean your bedroom. She can clean your bedroom for you. You know what I mean? It, it was that kind of like I don't want to call it coddling, but that sort of safety net security. And I felt like as a man, I wasn't growing as an as an individual or uh, wasn't growing as a responsible adult male so when i moved out like i had to learn a lot of skills that i kind of took for granted like your mom would cook sometimes and stuff like that but what happens when you have to provide your food every day what happens when you have to clean what happens when you have to like wash your own clothes and do that on a regular basis like you can never fall back on somebody who's doing this for you if there's no food in the fridge it's your fault you know what I mean? Like those responsibilities are responsibilities that, that we usually say, oh, well, the woman will do that part. She'll go out and do the shopping. She'll come home and do the cleaning. She'll come home and do the cooking. But what happens as a man when you have to do that? You, you become much more appreciative of all of those jobs if somebody has to subsidize even one of them for you. Like one time a girl, I was dating this girl and she came, she came here and she decided, you know, in the bathroom, she didn't like the, um, the curtain because... Again, as a man, I probably don't care. Like, the curtain gonna be there for years. She's like, this curtain is raggedy, and okay, left it. She went, she bought a curtain, and she brought it back, and she hung it up, and I went in, I was like, wow, my whole, whole bathroom looked like a completely different bathroom. It looked like high class, like, what the hell, right? And she was like, you know, 
you're welcome. And I was like, I don't even know how to, to thank you because this is something that I would have probably never mm-hmm. done. Like, I would have never thought that this was even a component. And it goes back to the formal education because though it is changing and it is extremely good that it's changing, the boys are not necessarily geared towards home management Mm -mm. and food and nutrition. So the streaming of those things, especially bright boys, Mm -hmm. bright boys are not expected to do those skill-based subjects. True. They need to do bright boy subjects. And so the education system mimics how we socialize our children to become young adults and how we socialize within the community and how we socialize within the home is a sort of training and development, non-academic learning Correct. and teaching, but it's still learning and teaching. It is. And all of these things, come they come full circle. Yeah. And you're right. Like the high, the high achieving academic, the, the ones who are quote unquote smart, mm-hmm. they were never encouraged to do any skill based anything. They, no. Those were not the guys in, in, in woodwork. Those were not the guys who um, would, uh, of course, there were no guys in my class that were doing homework. And I guess that would have been social suicide to even contemplate doing that. But yeah, th- there's a different standard. And it's sad because. Once you don't learn any of these nice these life skills, you are at the behest of somebody's good grace. And I felt like as a man, I feel like as a man, especially in this time, you cannot give anybody that kind of control over your life. You cannot tell me that you are going to Unless sit down. Unless it's your wife. I don't even think your wife's supposed to got a kind of control over you. Because then if the relationship goes south, you're saying that you're so dependent on this person that you would what step because and take the abuse that's just the same thing as if when we were back in the back in the days and we grandmothers used to take licks from man and them kind of thing because she couldn't finance, she couldn't her, find, life. finance her own life or people getting married because they want to send their children to school you see what i mean like i'm only marrying this man because he has the financial ability to send my children through college that's the the very reason i'm doing this is because of that like as a man now in our age, if you don't have these life skills, you are at the behest of a woman and women can be as abusive as men. I agree. Yeah, and we don't talk about it because a lot of the times it's not in the physical realm, but sometimes it's, it's in the physical realm, but again, we don't talk about that. So if you don't have any life skills and you're dependent on this person to cook clean and wash your jeans, you know what I mean? Like, what power do you have? The only power you have is to leave, to find somebody else to subsidize these life skills that you do not I think have. that there are a lot of men who are actually in that real predicament. Yes. Real professional bright men who don't know how to fix themselves a proper meal, nope. take care of their laundry. Nope. And so, as I you am. said, they're at the mercy of this partner, because sometimes it's not even a woman, this partner who is doing that thing at the cost to themselves. Correct. They will they will take the manhandling. You know what I mean? And they will take the disappointment and the misery. There's there are some men in relationships right now and I'll tell you, I know of a few of them who are in the relationship because the woman subsidizes so much of their lifestyle. Like and I'm not talking just about subsidizing the money part of it. I'm talking about subsidizing like their living arrangement. Not just the chores, the picking up of the children, the taking care of the children. You know what I mean? The dealing with the finances, the 
going on vacation. The, the lifestyle that they live. So she's like your mommy wife. She is exactly that. She is your mother. She is your mother. And it's the same the same loyalty that you give to your mom is the same loyalty you give to this woman who abuses you just like she would abuse a child. Call you out your name, not be supportive of your endeavors. Men go through a kind of emotional turmoil and because we don't respond by crying a lot of the times, like some women feel it's okay. I'm going to abuse you. I'm going to call you out your name. I'm going to say really mean things and tell you your penis is small. I don't know. Whatever <laughs> whatever it is that is going to affect you the most, they degrade you, they berate you, right? And you sit down there and you take it. And because you don't cry, she feels it's okay because you didn't cry. It's not like you broke down. You know what I mean? Oh, you got you. You said some mean things too. You know, and he would stay in that relationship because this woman subsidizes his lifestyle. It comes with its own trauma, but you guys are not allowed to cope ordinarily. So the black man going to therapy is Sean. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I could say, "Where you going therapy for? You're wasting your money." You know. Whereas I could say, "Well, you know, I went to my therapist and I cried because I was just overwhelmed." I mean, in some circles, they'd be like, but in more developed spaces or conscious spaces, that's be like, okay, that's good, sis. That's seen as something yeah. you're making progress. I'm becoming a better woman. For Correct. It. But you go to you. You can't. I mean, as a man, you're not going to go and say, oh, I'm in therapy yesterday and I had a really good cry session. No. You have to find, and I'm not saying there are not circles where you could find this sort of positivity because there are circles now that you have men who are becoming more and more mature and moving more and more away from this sort of derogatory masculinity foolishness. Like, it, it, there's, a, there's a level. Toxic masculinity. Uh, that's what they call it. I, I don't like to envelop that statement anymore because I feel like, people kind of brand any form of masculinity sometimes as toxic masculinity. There's nothing wrong with a man being a leader. There's nothing wrong with a man being a provider. There's nothing wrong with a man being, um, you know, protective. Um, but again, I think when you say toxic masculinity, sometimes the differentiation is low. It's the bar for toxic masculinity is so low that any man that exhibits any of these leadership, protective, you know, you know, traits it's like oh he's being you're being a toxic male no he's just being a male the thing is it's interesting it's just again i only say that to say that there are men who are walking around with a ton load of insecurities man and and traumas and then induced trauma exactly and it's 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 trauma induced insecurity that or it's trauma induced traumas that are acceptable you're getting a fight as a man you lost you never live it down but you can't fight you're a little punk that stays with you so when a woman tries you, when you're big and you're an adult and you think you're done past that stage and she tries you and she says, you're just acting, just stop acting like that. You know what I mean? And you, you take it as an offense. So the first thing you do is I'm going to win this fight. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose this time. Because we, we never see the man. Not that it's justified, but we never see what causes him to hit. No. We, ne- we never give him the grace of examining what causes him to hit. No. We just said he needs There's to go to jail. There's only one victim. Correct. The only victim is the person who was hit, which is usually the woman. Yeah. Versus the person who is trapped inside the body of a man, but fighting with that little child. Ooh, papi. That's deep. It's graceful. I, I, like, I like the grace given to 
both parties in the altercation and not just one in the society and in society we generally are not taught to give the abuser not even call him an abuser but the person that inflicts the pain grace especially seeing that the person who inflicted the pain is also going through pain i am 30 something above 35 and i'm just exploring the idea of becoming an entrepreneur i'm very bright multiple university education but the concept of negotiating a different relationship with monetizing my skills mm. terrifies me wow and the fact that it terrifies me made me question the academic institutions and the places in society. Because what I was taught psychologically in A1, in school, is that if I'm bright, if I make the honor roll, if I'm sufficiently compliant, I would have that sort of financial empowerment. Mm -hmm. That would be the reward of it. But it's not It's not so. true. No, that's not true. No. And now I'm daring to put myself on the hook and take the leap. I am scared. Like, I left teaching. Within six months, I started a company. But to start, the company was like, oh, my God. I did it. Then I went to get the business account. And to put the pricing together, like, to work and to monetize my skill above free. The tears, the tears to put a price outside of government payment. And so even within the school system, how do we address these things? Because the oppression, the especially if you don't come from a family where an entrepreneur is visible. Correct, correct. Or you don't come from a community where entrepreneurship is sufficiently sophisticated. Mm -hmm. As you say, He's an awesome carpenter. Why is he not? Why is Teach he business teacher? Teach how to build a business. Correct. You know? Because the business development component and training is obviously missing. And here am I, properly schooled. Like, Stephen, I have like four or five university certificates. And to, to monetize my skills that I paid so much money for, spent so much Time, hours and yeah. years developing, I it's, feel inadequate. I need to be affirmed. I think, and I think that's something that was done for me through the schooling system. Yeah, it's, the, the thing is, though, think about it this way. When it comes to the schooling system, what they're training you to be is a worker, not a boss. No matter how much certificates you get, unless you... And even when you go to do business training, they're basically training you to run somebody, somebody else's business. business. Like we we gotta see we gotta see this for what it is. Like learning to be an entrepreneur. Most of us learn to be entrepreneurs from other entrepreneurs, and those entrepreneurs might have learned to be entrepreneurs because of their families or other entrepreneurs in or their families. Or unfortunate 
circumstance that just made them have, have to. to yeah to put two and two together there's a reason why in the third world right and i call it let's call it developing countries because that's what they use with i really don't like the distinction in all developing countries the services are much cheaper than any first world or any developed country so let's use an example if you go to the philippines right you could get uh say you could get a, a educator um to be on staff for a hundred dollars a month I'm just using a random mm-hmm. number. If you had to go to the United States and be an educator in any firm, you just brought in an educator, even a consultant, something, you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But nobody says anything. Nobody says what the, the rate is. But they know. They know what the rate is. They know what they trade for. They know what their value is. We don't know what our value is. Yes. And that's by design because... If so I'm learning, I'm becoming skilled to work in a system not knowing my value. But you're also working, but what is, is, is also tremendously disadvantageous is that you're working in a system that also does not know your value. And so the exploitation becomes normative. It becomes normative and it also becomes almost, it's, it's, it's like they don't even know. It's, it's, it, they don't even know that they don't know that they're exploiting you. They just feel like, yeah, man, that's mm. like a two hundred dollar job, right? Yeah, they're just assigning some this is random how we just do it. number, and the thing is, they're assigning a random number based on what they would pay on a pay scale or like a salary, not realizing that you are a specialist. You are not a salaried person. You can't say, "Oh, well, we don't normally pay four thousand dollars." So if we bring that down to scale, that would mean that a person was making one thousand dollars a week. Okay, so we're gonna pay Michelina one thousand dollars. We're pay Michelina two hundred and fifty dollars for this one day of work. That sounds fair. What? Are you out of your mind? Your mind? You can't do that. That's not how you scale a specialist. Any consult, any consultation, they're saving you time. This person is coming in and giving you their expertise so that you could save time. Time is money. If you're going to train five people, you are making five people better exponentially because of your experience, because of your knowledge which means they don't have to go bumbling around and making mistakes for five years to get to a different level of expertise. You are doing that for them in an expedited way. What's the value for that? The value is incredible. Extremely incredible. Exactly. It's not $250. And, and to be able to share training and development with non-academic corporate institutions is a way that teachers could monetize our skills but we don't make those connections because a consultant in a lot of aspects are teachers you know that's all they are that's exactly, that's exactly what i was about to say all a consultant is is an experienced teacher and and it goes back to what your person said that we're all just teachers that's all we are i'm giving you my knowledge and it has a monetary value because it saves you time and for me to be in classroom for 12 years and to use those same skills which are really good like they're really good but to be terrified to put a price to that skill that signals my value like yes. everything about being student and teacher in classroom induced that trauma. That's, a, that's a, how do because you, we work for free. Correct. You have all these extra correct. classes yeah. for free. You do 
It's like your Tutoring community service. For free, literally. Yeah. And, and just like the IT consultant, just like the human resource consultant, just like the communication consultant, we are taking a human being and his or her skill from one point to, to the next. other. Yeah. But we are expected to do it for free. I don't know how you're going to reconcile that. Because again, I, I've, because I've been in business for a bit, God, I've been in business for a bit. Because I've been in business for a bit, what I do is I try to look at what I'm, what is the money, what is the value proposition, and I tell people that all the time. Look at what the value proposition is and then charge accordingly. Value proposition meaning if I am going to save you such and such a, say I'm going to save you ten thousand dollars worth of time and investment and so on, then the least you could pay me is thirty three percent of that. Because then I would have saved you 66% on what it would normally cost. If I could do it for 25, then you're saving 75% of what it would normally cost. Mm -hmm. If you are expected to go into a situation where you're dealing with millions of dollars, it's exponential. Because if I, if you're going to be putting millions of dollars on the line, you'd want your million dollars to do something for you and make you money. If I'm going to take that million dollars and you're eventually going to be making $50 million from it, then spending $2 million is... Okay. It's okay. It's an investment. It's an investment in a return, an expected return of, of $48 million. You, you, there's nothing to that. You know what I mean? Like the value proposition, and that's why people get rich in those developed countries because they understand what that value proposition is. If I'm going to be training your child, your child is going to, if your child is going to be the next executive of TDC, right? And that's where you want your child to be, you could expect returns of, I don't know, eight, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month. Then I mean, spending two thousand dollars to get to that point doesn't sound like a lot of money because at the end of the day, your child, if they do well in this class and they get the the, the necessary accreditation, they're going to get to the point where they're closer to the fifteen thousand dollar payout. You see what I'm saying? It's like once you could once you could sell I'm it like that. I'm I, I'm definitely learning and I, I'm here drinking everything that you said. But it was, it was as you said, the, the dissidence, the trauma yeah, of man. being in classroom. It's tough. And then that transition got be hard. It is. I cry a lot. And I have coaches, not a coach, like coaches. And the thing is, the, the, problem, the problem that I could see you having too is that there's such an emotional tie because you love these children. And that is why I am now at a point where I say, you don't need to be passionate to be a teacher. You can be professional about the job. Bam. And that's okay. And that's fine. It does not make you a bad person. It does not make you a bad person. Michelina, thank you so much. I, I want you to, um, I mean, you do have your blog, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, if you could promote that so people could kind of get into that. Just drop some handles for us so that we could get in contact with so you. So it's michelina.blog. You can find me at LinkedIn. I, I, I'm really liking LinkedIn. It's like my new aha. Uh -huh. It's beautiful. <laughs> I really like LinkedIn. It's like it's like upscale Facebook because I'm not on Instagram yet. Don't 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 judge me. Oh, and no. I'm definitely not on TikTok. I think I spend way too much time on social media to have social media without a purpose so Correct, i use yeah. my social media to market and to amplify my voice to scale my voice and my reputation so Lovely. as an advocate for education and teacher care this is what i'm using the platform for creating content and sharing Thank you, Stephen, for having me. Oh man, here. it was so lovely. I like, know, 
Like, I, 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 I man, it was so lovely because the, the last time you were here, we ended up talking and not recording anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, you've been listening to Objectively Incorrect. I had Michelina Charles Hazel on the show. She's an amazing teacher. I learned I a lot today. God damn, I learned a lot today. Um, and I got, again, a lot of perspectives. So, Michelina, thank you again. Guys, you've been listening to Objectively Incorrect. I'm your boy, Stephen Smith, and his usual piece. No gang signs, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>